Good morning, everyone. Um, this year is my second trip to Haiti, and the first one was amazing, and the second one was yet even more amazing. And um, I, I know it was hard to top last year, but next year and the year after is what my heart is just absolutely so excited for. And, and I say that as um, a farmer or a sower or a planter because the one thing that we saw in Haiti this year was that God was making the harvest ripe. And the sad thing about Haiti is that for so many, 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 many years they've been oppressed and there has been more relief effort in the country of Haiti than any other country in the world, yet they are still lost, yet they are still completely without, I won't say completely, there is certainly a spirit there, there are many spirits there, but there's a work going on in Haiti that is so transformational, and we are blessed enough to be on the cutting edge of that. And the Bible it says, except the Lord build the house, those that labor, labor in vain, and there has been a lot of vain laboring in Haiti. And what makes the difference is how we prepare the soil. And what the Lord showed me this year more than, than any other is that as we prayed for this small area of Bocaima and Hoy Jose in the area of Belladere, God had prepared the soil. God had made things fertile so that when we came, there was a greater potential for harvest. Now, as it says in the Bible that some plant and some water and some reap or the harvest, before all of that must be the preparation of the ground. And I think that God is calling all of us to spend more time in prayer because except he build this house, we too will labor in vain as all others have before us. So I, I'm feeling very, very compelled by the Lord to uh, encourage our church and our members and everyone that is familiar with the work that we're doing in Haiti to spend as much time as possible in prayer so that as others follow and plant seeds, as others follow and reap, and as others follow and, and feed and water, that it becomes more fruitful. God has a plan in Haiti. God has connected us specifically for one area of Haiti. Um, this year, there were so many confirmations. There were so many open doors. There's absolutely no doubt that God has called this church to be in connection with one community and its people. So I can't tell you how excited I am. And I'm, I feel so blessed that our entire church is making um, each and every member in one way or another connected to this area and connected to God's blessing. Uh, on the table to the right, uh, there are some names of the leadership in Boacaima and in Hoy Jose, uh, the three pastors that we're connected with, the FH leaders, the community leaders. In both of those two small areas, there are community leaders that are working as liaisons between the pastors, FH, and the children in particular. Um, I'm, I'm just so excited about what God's going to do. And if you would like to take um, any of those sheets that have the names and pray over them, I also have some packets with all of the children's names that are registered um, that we have the potential to reach directly. And the one thing that we can all do is pray for the fertile ground so that when the seed does come, that it is planted and that it will grow. And again, I just want to thank you for your support and in the work that God is doing in Haiti. Thank you.
morning. You hear me? Jesus said almost 2,000 years ago, go into all the world. Thank you, Lord, for this trip to Haiti. Amen. I wish to thank you, Matt, for preparing us, leading us, and guiding us. There was so much love and joy going on. I do have one suggestion, however, for our next trip. Would you keep the mic in front? No, no. Oh. Well, that's in your hand. In, my, in front? Okay. I do have one suggestion, however, for our next trip. The rooster crowing all night. We must come up with better earplugs. <laughs> Pastor R said his kept falling out. Mine were made of silicone. And there were a few mornings when I got up, I was a little worried they couldn't come out. They must expand in the heat. <laughs> so we'll have to work on that. Um, Kerwin's nine years old is our sponsor child. In his letters to us, we see our support has changed his life. And I'd like to read his first letter to us. Hello, my name is Kerwins. I live in the community of Hoy Jose with my parents. I'm very glad for the chance to be part of the program. I go to the school and go to carry wood and water for the house. Please pray for my country that now a difficult time for the earthquake. Please pray for my country. This is the last letter before I went to Haiti to see him. Dear Chuck and Jan, Hello, I received the letter that you sent for me. I am very happy. I am well, and my school is working well. I always think about you each day, and I am praying, Lord, to bless you and your family all the time. It is true that God is a love God who is always there to take care of us, and he loves those who serve him. When we arrived at Kerwin's home, his mother came to me, hugging me and saying, Merci, merci, thank you, thank you. Kerwin's father is a pastor, and they have a one-room church. Kerwin's took my hand and led me to the front to sit with him. The children of the community welcomed us with so much joy. They sang for us and prayed for us. I prayed with Kerwin's and his mom and dad and said my goodbyes. Tears filled Kerwin's eyes, mine too. I visited with the sponsor children of Ken and Brenda Fowler, Joseph, and Rosemeet. At Rosemeet's home, I waited outside while Mom and Brother set up chairs on their porch. They invited me to sit as we waited for Rosemeet. She came out, a beautiful young girl with beads in her hair. She came over and hugged me. I presented the gifts to her from the Fowlers. The translator read the card with their picture enclosed, and Rosemead looked at me and said, Brenda loves me. I love Brenda. I said, we, yes, Brenda loves you. And Jezi, Jesus, Jezi loves you too. And then we prayed. There was so much love. <laughs> Sorry. Chuck and I will sponsor another child now. I met a little girl, Jovina. She's 10 years old, where we were building a latrine. I saw her sitting on her porch holding her baby brother. I went to her, and we bonded. She walked around with me, and she sat with me. I sang to her, Jezzy loves you. We, Jezzy loves you. 
And when I stopped, she pointed to my mouth, saying, Jésie, Jésie, she wanted me to sing more. I love her. Let us give these children what Jesus died for them to have, peace, joy, and love, and hope. Our sponsorship will empower and equip the families, the local church, the schools, and the leadership of the community to meet the needs of their children so that all the children will know that they're highly valued and loved by God. Thank you. I'll talk a little bit about my personal um, experience in Haiti. Uh, last year, my wife and uh, son went uh, on the trip, and uh, I was able to vicariously get um, fed from them about that. And I was anxiously waiting to go this year. And I think, you know, God started working um, in my heart uh, back in Jan- actually before January this year uh, to pray. And I spent a lot of time in prayer uh, about. What Nina was talking about is that preparing the soil, preparing the hearts of the people there. And when I got there, um, what struck me the most about the country, you know, you can look around and see the devastation, you can look around and see the poverty and the physical um, needs and wants of the people. But what struck me were the children and their faces. They were just, they were so sweet. There was so much love. They were just so friendly. They were so, um, because they are, they are so happy with what they have. You know, I look around and I think, you know, they are so content and they just loved on us. I mean, it was just, uh, it was just a, a moment in my life that um, I think I needed to experience. You know, um, Jesus said in, um, in Mark, we're on Mark, um, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second commandment, the greatest commandment, is love your neighbors yourself. And I needed to experience that. I needed to experience that love for others, that denying of myself and just, you know, and that was a big part of this trip working on us in the group is that God was speaking to our hearts just as much as he was working through us to them. He was working on our hearts. And, you know, that experience of being humble and selfless and just just pouring out love and kindness and compassion and, and the love of Jesus to these children, these families, and these people at home visits and, and, and working in the community uh, was, a, was a defining moment for me. And, uh, and again, it just showed God's faithfulness. You know, this song we sang this morning, Great Is That Faithfulness. God's faithfulness, God's uh, presence, God's overwhelming power uh, in these lives. And he loves, he loves us as much as he loves them. He loves them as much as anyone else. You know, his love is uh, unchanging. And... Uh, and I can't encourage you enough, as Nina said, to pray. Uh, the little thing, if you can't go, if you can't sponsor, but you can pray. And we felt the prayers of this church there uh, on numerous occasions, on the way down, on the way back, because there were obstacles and there were hindrances and things that tried to you know, get us down and, and, to, and cause us to become frustrated and depressed and anxious. And uh, I think the prayers of this church were powerful. Uh, and so I just thank you for that. I thank you for your sponsorship and, and your support. Uh, and, and remember, um, you know, as, as Pastor Mike said, 
you know, whether it's Haiti or it's uh, Hillcrest or it's Convoy of Hope or it's the soup kitchen or whatever it is, you know, uh, give of yourself, allow God to use you in the, any way he can. And, he, and you'd be amazed at, uh, at, at what he can do uh, with the littlest seed. Okay. Thank you. Good morning. Those of us up here and a few others amongst us um, traveled to Haiti earlier in the year, um, about a month ago, first week of April. We wanted to share a little bit with you this morning about what we did there and our experiences and how God is moving in Haiti and in the people of the district of Belladere, specifically where we were. Um, One of the stories that I want to share is my experience with a young boy there named Mackinson. Um, And one of the things that I learned through my experience with Mackinson is that what we're doing there is not about the week that we spent there. It's not about the week that the team spent there last year. Um, It's about the relationships that we are building in that community. Um, Mackinson actually is sponsored by Eric Miller um, and is his sponsor child. And last year, Eric got to go down and meet Mackinson and present the gospel to him. So this year, when I went to meet Mackinson and brought him gifts from Eric and had pictures of him and Eric and also pictures of me and Eric so that we could kind of put that connection together, I asked Mackinson if he remembered Eric, um, and I asked him what he remembered about Eric. And Mackinson, in his very shy, quiet little voice, told me, and through the interpreter I found out, he said he remembered that Eric joked and laughed and squeezed tight. Um, And he also said that Eric gave him a bracelet and taught him about Jesus. Um, It's something that has stuck with this child. Now, this year, we thought that I would go and visit Mackinson and that would be our house visit. But the next day, Mackinson showed up at our VBS program and spent the day there um, and spent most of the day right by my side. And we also saw his father out in the village, and one of our team members, Nina, was able to pray over him, found out that he had a stomach virus or parasite um, and was not doing well, so she was able to pray over him. Later in the week, some of our team members went to the house and were able to give him medicine for that. And on one of our last days there um, in the community and at the school, his mom and him came back and visited again, and I got to meet her. The point of this is that it's not just a house visit, but it's something where we see that we're not just working with Mackinson, but with his family and with so many other children and so many other families in the community that we see relationships being built. Um, And it's our tangible way of showing God's love there. And we really are seeing that work. It was astounding to me to see how that relationship in that short time is being built. Um, And it really is God's power doing that. So I also want to just encourage you um, to pursue sponsorships. We actually have packets in the back where you can do that. And to think that these relationships that we have going with Mackinson and his family, that's not just about Eric, it's not just about me, it's all of our team and everyone who was there, all of that started with a sponsorship. Um, And it's exciting to see in Mackinson's life and the other children there how that's changing their world and their perspective and allowing God in. Uh, My name is Shane, and uh, this was my second trip to Haiti. And uh, to see the improvements of this year, uh, see how God has been faithful to our prayers were pretty incredible. Last year, one of the largest uh, tent cities in the country was uh, directly outside of the presidential palace. And this year, that particular tent city was uh, completely, it was, uh, they sent it, they sent them all to homes so they don't have to live in tents anymore. 
And um, another uh, prayer that was answered is that uh, my dad sponsors a child named Rudelier. And uh, last year we prayed for him that his father would have a job because uh, he, he didn't have any work. And then this year we were going to visit him and we're driving in the back of this pickup truck and we see this child walking down the road and we're like, hey, that's, uh, that's Rudelier. We should stop. And so uh, we stopped and we got out and we said hi to him. We said, take us to your house. And we start walking along this jungle path to get to his house. And it's his house two to three times the size of the house last year. And um, we said, this isn't the same house as last year. And he said, no, it's not because my dad got a job and now we can afford to buy this house. And... Um, Now, I love the building, building projects and the sponsored uh, visits, but the true highlight of my trip was one day after um, building, we were sitting around at the guest house and we decided we would go to the soccer field down the road, which was not a soccer field by our standards. Um, it may have had 25% grass, 75% dirt, and um, occasionally throughout a soccer game, somebody would decide to drive their truck through the field to get uh, from town to town, and occasionally a, a goat would begin eating the grass, the, the remaining grass on the soccer field. Um, but when, when somebody would walk by, <clears throat> when a child would walk by, we would say, come play soccer with us, or come play frisbee with us. And we ended up having 70, probably 70 kids to come and uh, play various sports with us, and then we got to share the gospel with them. Um, and the majority of the kids in the villages that we were in, uh, the communities that sponsored children, did know about Jesus. But when we asked these kids, only about half of them said they had known about Jesus. And um, so that was uh, incredible to be able to share that with them for the first time and for a lot of them to make first-time commitments. Um, and then another uh, thing that happened off of that was some of the people of the village, uh, as you may know, practice some forms of voodoo and dark religions, but um, we were able to tell them about what's in the Bible, tell them about the truth, and uh, steer them straight. Um, if I could use one verse to describe this trip and that particular experience, it would be out of uh, 3 John 1, 4, which says, it gives me no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in the truth. Thank you. Well, good morning. My name is Matt. Um, I just want to say that God's moving in amazing ways in Haiti. It's, it's incredible to see. Um, last year when we went down there, some of you guys know, we got out to the community of Belladere where we were working. We'd spent about a day and a half there, and I think on the second or third morning, we woke up to gunfire, people with machetes, people screaming and yelling outside of our, our area. And so we sort of hightailed it out of there. Um, God protected us and kept us safe. Um, when we went back to this exact same community this year, people were running to see us. They were overwhelmed with joy that we had come back to their community and seen uh, to be with them again. And I think this is what we're seeing across the country. Um, and I think it's not because of the billion dollars of money that's been poured into the country. I think it's because of the prayers of people like us, prayers of people across the world that are actually praying for Haiti, um, which is extremely encouraging to see. Um, this morning, Eric's going to be preaching on, on Mark 4, uh, the parable of the sower. And in a passage, it talks about different seeds of soil, different types of soil that exist. 
Um, and I think Haiti, for a long time, has been a, a very rocky soil, a type of soil where a root goes in, but something happens, and that plant's immediately burned out. Um, we're seeing that over and over again. You see people say that it's a Christian nation, but there's so much voodooism. There's so many other things happening. The earthquake, these seeds could never take root. Um, and I think what we're seeing there is that the soil is starting to be softened. And I think it's through our prayers. And I think it's through teams going down there and showing them the love of Jesus, showing them what the truth is, showing them who God is. I think we as a church have, have an enormous responsibility. So in the community of Belladere where we work, we're working with an organization called Food for the Hungry. They're the only international organization working there. There's no U.S. money. There's no organization whatsoever there. And we are the only church actually working with Food for the Hungry in this community. That means our church is the only, fo- only group actually going to this community. Um, when we go there, it's actually kind of funny. So we get out there. It's about four hours outside of Port-au-Prince, and we walk around. We just hear people shouting, Blanco, Blanco, Blanco. It basically means white man. <laughs> um, they've never seen an outsider before. Um, and so just going there and seeing them and just seeing their overwhelming joy of people coming in and loving them. And I think we as a church have a great responsibility um, to continue to minister and love in these people. Um, but there's some big risks facing the community. Um, I think as Shane said, voodooism is very prevalent throughout the community. Sitting on top of the, the highest mountain overlooking the community is actually a voodoo temple. Um, and you see people throughout the day walking up to the temple. We were talking to somebody um, next to the house where we were staying. There's a, there's a doctor there. The doctor the, the doctor's actually empty. No one ever goes there. If someone gets sick, they go to the voodoo priest. They don't know that basic medicine. They think it's an evil spirit that's, that's in them. And so there's a lot of worship of Satan there, which is just um, kind of terrifying to see. In addition, uh, the community is located about three, three miles from the Dominican Republic border. Because of its proximity to the Dominican Republic, um, there's huge issues with trafficking in persons, children being taken away from their homes, sold into slavery. Um, and that's just terrifying to see. Um, in addition, um, they really have no economic livelihood. They have no jobs. There's very little opportunities for anyone whatsoever there. Um, and there's hardly any education. Somebody was telling me a, a statistic the other day that 70% of teachers in Haiti are illiterate. 70% of the teachers are illiterate, um, which is incredible. And only 5% of teachers have any type of formal training. And so there's an incredible amount of opportunity there for, for us as a church. And we as a church are praying how we can work with the community. But I want to tell you about a couple of things. Um, our church is going to continue sending teams down to Haiti um, at least once a year. And I want to encourage you guys to pray about whether or not you feel called to go down. This year we had 15 people go. Last year we had 15 people go. Um, and we'd love to go down with, to Haiti with you and show you what we're talking about. Secondly, as these guys mentioned, um, so you can sponsor a child. We've got packets in the back there. Um, sponsoring a child is one of the most amazing opportunities you can do. Um, Betsy and I sponsor a girl. I think I talked to you guys about her last year. We went down there. She was terrified of me. She wouldn't talk to me, but she loved Betsy. This year I went down on my own. I took Latanya Castan with me because she was the only person that could get her to open up and talk to me. Um, but for about a dollar a day, you can really transform a child's life. You're protecting them. You're making sure that they're not being sold into slavery. You're making sure that they are um, taken care of. But not only that, your sponsorship actually helps go into the entire community. So you're not just protecting that one child. You're actually protecting a whole group of kids. So I challenge you this morning to consider and pray about sponsoring a child. Um, but then the, great, the church is also talking about different opportunities that, that exist. What are the other things that we can do? Child, sponsoring a child is great. Sending teams down is great. But what can we really do that goes deeper? And Pastor and I have been talking with a lot of people. We went down to Orlando a couple weeks ago to meet with some business leaders. And we've been talking with an organization called Just Haiti. Um, they buy coffee from Haiti and actually export it to the United States. One of the places they sell coffee to is Baltimore Coffee and Tea. And so we're looking at trying to form a partnership where in five years you could go to, to Baltimore Coffee and Tea and buy, buy uh, coffee that Grace Community Church helped to get there. 
Um, so it's an incredible opportunity, and the money that comes in from that actually gets poured back into the community. It's an, it, an incredible transformational uh, model. But just in closing, I think what I love about the passage of Mark 4, the parable sower, it says that a crop with fertile soil can produce, can produce um, something that's 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. And I think what's saying to me is that God's saying, trust me, if you trust in me, I can do so much more than you ever imagined. And I think God's been doing that through our experiences last year and this year in Haiti. Um, but I think we as a church have to continue to walk and trust in him as we move forward with Haiti. So I want to pray for the offering, and then we've got a, a short video of our experience in Haiti. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love for us, your love for each one of us, and your love for the people of Haiti. And Heavenly Father, I just um, pray for the, the people of Haiti, and I just pray that you will make yourself known to them, that your light will shine through the darkness there, God. And I just pray that you will give us guidance and wisdom of how we can um, continue to minister to the people down there. And Lord, I pray for our community here that we can be a light in a dark place, God, um, that we can show your, your love to people, be your hands and feet. Lord, I pray that you just take, bless this offering uh, that people give, um, that we can use it for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.